and welcome back to the Book and Life podcast. And today we have got an exceptional author who's coming on. And I I admire her. She released her books in COVID. She was able to just blow my mind with the company she has signed with and the attitude and the beliefs that she shares. And I feel like I really get to be on the same level as her and feel excited to have conversations with this author. But before we go into that gorgeous conversation, I do have to say that at the end of the podcast there was some technical difficulties and I will be making an announcement at the end that'll be well worth the wait and I promise will be interesting for all of you. But before I get into that, I have our usual dun 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 adverts. So I have Marianne Curley's The Shadow, Time Guardian Book 4. The battle is over, the war is won, the prophecy is complete. But life can't just pick up where it left off for Ethan, struggling to cope with tragic loss. At odds with friends in the guard, he finds himself adrift, jumping at shadows and senses someone who can't possibly be there. Blaming herself for the goddess Athena's death, Giselle swears revenge and fullify the immortal's plan for world domination, but Giselle hadn't planned on love. And that leaves her with an unbearable choice. Should she follow her heart or the strings of a goddess short on praise but high on expectation? Who continues to pull her from the grave? As the guard and the order battles through the past and into an impossible future, darkness lurks around every corner. The fight for the world's survival rests with just one. Is it friend or foe who stands in the shadow? There is also a reminder that The Price of Freedom by Rosemary Rao, which is one of her Roman British crime series novels, is having a portion of her royalties donated to the Ukraine crisis. Her agent also donated her commission. So if you have a few spare pound coins, please stop by and uh, and pick up one of her books. Thank you. Now, let's get into today's conversation. I'll be pleased to welcome our guest. Guys, I am so excited that I can now introduce to you oh, a woman I could I could just hug if I was there with her right now because I oh, adore, adore, adore books that she has written, honestly. Um, my husband says if I buy any more books, we'll be, be bankrupt, um, <laughs> which is so true. But please, everybody, let's welcome Christy Lee. Hi. I got that right, didn't I? Yes. <laughs> Thank you for having me It's a me Scottish on. thing. We pronounce names so differently to Americans that I always forget to ask before we come on. So, yeah. No, you're perfect. So, I look to your books. Yeah, because obviously I'm going to talk about your current, uh, your current releases. I fell in love with your FBI forensic researcher. I thought, yeah. wow, it was like so different. Yeah. Compared to everything else I see. Yeah. And then I was like, oh, what else she she done? And I clicked on it and I read, you know, Glimmers of Hope, and I thought, oh, girl, you're killing me. <laughs> like, come on, children in the foster system have gone like, and then they fall in love. Ah, uh, girl. Yeah. So, and then of course I I didn't stop there because I'm nosy, <laughs> and I went on and I read. Drops of sunlight. I was like, 
Oh, I can't pick one to ask her about. She's got too many really good books. Thank and you. And it's like Colorado Rocky Mountains yeah. is when you had me. Yes, yes. Which is where so, I'm from. So that is a special place in my heart. So I think we all do like hometown books. I, I think it's like a thing for us. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I agree. I'm currently doing um, a rural midwife series set in the Shetland Islands. Oh. Which is where I grew up and I spent a lot of time. Like, I, I was half of my life in Aberdeen and half of my life in Shetland. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, like, one of the authors I had on convinced me, convinced me, and it took a lot of convincing to go and, and write it. So, what convinced you to do? We'll start with like drops of like sunlight and then we'll work our way back. I think. Okay. Or do you want to do it a different way? No, I like that. Yeah, let's do that. So, okay. What inspired you to do a book about your hometown? Like, what was the ultimate draw? You know, that's a really good question. I, I grew up in Colorado, and I actually, as a little girl, my family owns 40 acres of land in Colorado, and when we first oh. moved there, there was a beautiful sunflower field, and it only happened one time. Um, and I, I just, even though I was very young, I remembered it very vividly, just a whole field of sunflowers sticks with you. And it was just something that came to mind to me when I was thinking about my next book and thinking about locations. And I was like, what, what would be, what would I like to write about in terms of what affects me? And, and, I, and the sunflowers just popped into my head. And of course the Colorado Rockies and the landscape is, one of a kind it's such a beautiful area so it was I, I started building the story with the scenery in mind which was new for me I'd never done that before um, started with the scenery and kind of went from there so that was really different but it it inspired me and it inspired the characters that I wrote so it was a good starting point for drops I think that's really important because if you don't have like that strong thing that can really you can dive head into and say these characters yeah. would be really good here then I think like we all struggle I think yeah. the thing that makes the strong characters is having right location right amount yes. of feeling about the place because whatever passion we have goes into the books I don't know if you agree with that but I do I think a lot of our psychology comes through the page I do lot. I agree with that a lot and in in surprising ways I have found um you know I I studied psychology in my undergraduate work and I love to think about why characters do the things that they do and what influences them. And so I wanted that to be conveyed in Drops of Sunlight with the characters. I wanted their love of Colorado to come through and who they are as people. And it's sort of taking that thought of making a holistic story about, you know, representing not just the characters but where they're from and who they are and sort of those layers that make us complicated um so i yeah. think that's really important and i think you like from what from what i read at the back because like that's what really catches readers is like the back i know like a lot of us just look at the the covers and go oh yeah. that looks good i'm gonna get yes. that but like the you know i have started to train myself to read blurbs yes because I'm terrible for just picking up a book and going, oh, that looks nice, and oh, you know, so I'm trying to. And I love the, just the way that you captured it. It really did feel like that hometown book. 
Oh great! You know, I'm so everyone glad you could said curl that. up with. Yeah, yeah. And it didn't matter where you were from. You could you could curl up with it. You could feel like you were there. Yeah. You know, you didn't need to be by a fire. You could read it in the bath or in bed or wherever, and you yes. could be transported instantly. And I think that's what's really special about your writing is you do have that sort of ability to transform like a world that we're in into the world that that you're trying to create. Thank you. I, it's definitely something I work hard for, so I'm glad to hear it, it translates. Well, yeah. I mean, it, it's our, all our goals, isn't it, yes. really, to do yes. that. Um, but when, I think it's important, like, when other authors see that and see, like, the hard work that's gone in, we yes. point it out and say, you know, yeah, you've yeah. done it. You've really done it. You've got, like, our support for that. Yes. And I think that's important. Like, I've been able to sort of sit down with some people that I never thought I'd sit down with and they were like, oh my god, you've got something here. Mm-hmm. And that that's what makes that's what makes me feel like I can keep going, especially when you're rejected from publishers all the time. Yeah, absolutely. It really helps to keep that yeah. kind of that spirit yeah. high that we all need because it, it is quite crushing. I it, think, it is, absolutely. Yeah, it can be such writing as every emotion in the book but a lot of it's painful um but any kind of positive feedback trumps everything for me you know if i hear anybody who enjoyed my writing it it's everything to me you know it's just that's why i I do it and i keep doing it is because i of those types of feedback even if they're seem small they're really not they're they're very impactful especially from other authors that's huge you know you always feel good about that so I gotta ask, yeah. what drew you to do sort of a children in foster care system kind of YA? Because that's what I got was it was YA. Now, I could be wrong. No, it's definitely, I, I would say YA or, you know, they have that kind of newish genre, people, new adults kind of genre, but it's that young adult with some adult themes, right? Um, yeah. And some more serious themes for sure. Um, you know, what inspired me to, you know, the foster system thing comes through in two of my books or and or very real trauma um, and struggles in my characters. That is just genuinely me trying to create a character that's real. I want, I don't like characters when you read them and they're almost too perfect or they don't do anything wrong or they, they seem they seem one-dimensional you know there's not a lot going on there I like characters that are real and we're all flawed and I just like to see that those people who've come from really tough situations and how can their lives improve or get better and how can they find love or how can they find happiness and it's just those complex characters that I like to read so I that's why I create them the way they do and Again, with my degree in psychology, it's sort of natural for me to think about not just, you know, about a person's personality, but why are they the way that they are? So, you know, um, like in Drops of Sunlight, May, you know, she has some very serious issues she's dealing with. And in the process of reading the book, you learn why, you know, there's reasons why we are the way that we are and, and where trauma comes from and how it impacts a person. I just think it it's inspiring to read those stories and to see them overcome those types of struggles and and 
learn to be happy even in the face of some tough stuff, you know, and it's just, I, I, I like those characters. I like those meaty characters that are complicated. It, it's so funny you say that because I'm sitting here going, if she knew anything about my work, she would know complexity, having characters that not necessarily you like right away, but you yeah. get to fall in love with them is kind of my calling card. Which is kind of weird because when I, I did Marie's world, I I have two characters where Marie's this big reality star kind of cold heartedness because she's got to be because of the way fame works. Yeah. And then you've got her sister who's supposed to be this really soft, lovable person who does something that you can't like and you can't agree with. And you're like, girl, what are you doing? Yeah. But, you know, because we're all flawed, there's none of us that totally good or totally bad or totally anything and I think over time you sort of get to learn that Marie is actually this big soft mm. inside but she mm -hmm. tries to be this hard tough twin because she knows her other one is completely sh silly and oh, goes and yeah. does really silly things and you're like girl would you just stop that yeah you know and and that's that's what we actually created in five books we would have finished the series if the publisher we'd been with had uh, had been up for it. But myself and Joey Legend, we, we wrote these books with that idea that like even the father's story on how his relationship breaks down with his kids, we actually tell that step by step. So you you know, you learn of the mother's death and then Marie goes off the rails and then she realizes her twins going off the rails and the dad is like completely powerless. Mm. to help them because he doesn't mm -hmm. know what to do he's like a wrestler he's like i'm a wrestler i don't i don't know what to do with teenage girls sure, so he sure. gives them to his sister and then she screws them up even more and you really get that and like when you start reading the prequels you really start to understand and then through all of that you you meet amber who's you know this this half sister and she's kind of stuck between these two twins and she's like hey guys would you stop like peeing on me here like <laughs> you're trashing everything I'm trying to do would you stop you know so like I kind of feel for her like she's my she's my one that I go to and I think oh she's stuck with you yeah she's like she's like the one that's like getting torn between the two of them or getting sucked into their situations and then she like puts her foot in her mouth and then she's like oh for sake and you know like she just she just ends up on this journey with them that she never asked to be on and it for her it all comes down to her getting shot in her hometown and having that I've got to read these security. now yeah like completely shattered wow. and that's where she kind of goes on this journey with these twins that she doesn't really know and a dad she doesn't mm -hmm. really know but she wants to know them and things just totally go wrong for her bless her oh, wow. kind of feel yeah. for her but yeah like that's what i mean it's for me when i sit with people who say oh my god you need characters that mm -hmm. go through real life crap yes. that real i stuff. totally connect with them yeah 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 so i probably sold you on the book but I'm, you did <laughs> I i'm sold <laughs> i'm sold i was like i was like twins turning on twins you know like oh i love it um, that's actually the catchphrase that I get most often. Oh my god, you, you've got twin sister turning on another twin sister and publishing diaries. Are you kidding me? Like that's that's intense. I I would I would like that. 
a lot. It's funny too because you kind of like you feel for like some of the characters like you just want to slap some of them too and it's like that that was kind of tension for me is one of the things that I always go to and I think I grew up with wrestling and I grew up with dancing. Mm-hmm. I was in the drama club. So that was like where all my stuff came from. Mm-hmm. But it made me believe in 3D characters. So I mm. push really hard to make my characters 3D and it drives publishers crazy because <laughs> Crystal, you've only got X amount of words. I know, um, but I need this extra thousand, you know, for yeah. it to make sense. Like yes. they fight with me all the time about that. But that's what I think you need. You need the characters to be like, you can almost imagine living next door to them. Yes. And then like sitting with the glass on the wall while yes. you're kind of listening. Yes. So yeah. You do. I like, you know, sometimes with my characters, they do things that are frustrating, you know? And yeah. as a reader, you're just like, no, you know, why are you doing this? And, and, but they're they're you know they're real people they're, to me they're they're as real as they yeah. get so so I'm trying do, do to you get the it. moment like me where you just slam the computer down and like I'm not talking yes. to them right now <laughs> yes yes because sometimes it's tempting to you know rewrite them or make them more perfect in a way and I just I have to resist even when they're even when I'm mad at them I'm like no. You know, you need to play I, I out. I have to do that too. Like, yeah. I not write the line up, and then they draw off a clip. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Because it's all about that growth for me. I love characters that and grow. It me it's very tempting. Yeah. Yes. Yes. I'm, I'm with you there. Because, like, my husband. You know, there's been times where I've just slammed the computer shut and I've just gone. Can't take this anymore. And he'd be like. What did your characters do now? <laughs> like, you just hear that big sigh as if to say. There goes my night. <laughs> you know, he gets it. <laughs> yeah, he gets. Bless him. Like he knows every book I've ever written because yeah. I've sat and talked to him about every single one. Yeah. Like every character, everything that's gone wrong, everything mm-hmm. that we do. I talk about bikes with him because he's a motorcyclist. So if I have a oh, motorbike yeah. in it, he, I know what he will be like. He'll pick it apart. So mm-hmm. I sit and I like totally get the right information, factual information. That's great. You know? Yeah. Um, but yeah, because he does that in TV shows. He's awful. Like he'll he'll sit there and he goes, "That bike doesn't make that noise." That's he an really electric knows his bike. Bikes. Yeah. You know, like <laughs> we were watching LA Finest and she was driving an electric motorbike and he's like, "Doesn't make that sound." <laughs> and that was oh, him. Man. He couldn't watch the rest of the season because the bike was just not doing what it was supposed to do. Oh, that's funny. Yeah, well, when you know it's wrong, it's going to bother you. Yeah. Yep. It bother so me, too. So I ended up watching that entire season on my own. <laughs> <laughs> Which often happens. I, I Yeah, I do, do force them in. But I, I have a love for forensics, okay? Yeah. I always wanted to go and study forensics. Um, yeah. Because I kind of saw myself as a forensics like, scientist, because I think mm-hmm. if you can write a really convincing murder scene, then maybe you should be in forensics because absolutely that that whole sort of investigation process is really looking for the story of, of why yes. somebody's done something yes. and uh unfortunately here there's not many jobs for forensic folk so i didn't actually go ahead and get my degree in that mm-hmm. i'm now doing a degree in writing which i think is probably worse yeah but yeah like what 
what drew you to forensics? Like, what was that thing that you, you, you just fell in love with and said, I have to write something with forensics in it? Well, not that dissimilar to you. I almost got my master's in forensic psychology wow. and my path changed a bit because my life had changed and that yeah. that pursuit no longer made sense for where I was living and stuff. But I love forensics. I love anything and everything about it. I watch everything. I read everything. It's just a really interesting topic to me. So. It is. So when I wrote um, The Worst Thing I Could Do, and Maddie is, of course, a forensic researcher, she was living out, um, you know, what could have been for me in an alter alternate life that I had planned that I didn't go through with. So I, I got to live vicariously through her. But that's really what inspired me. It's just truly a love for that type of work. And I, yeah. I like... Um, the psychology again the psychology part so you know she's working with um, very dangerous and very you know disturbed individuals who commit violent crimes and and again it's understanding the complexities of human nature and what does that mean and why do they do the things that they do which we learn um through jonah's character that it is very complicated and it's not always straightforward and it's not always what you think and um yeah she just kind of got to live out my other life <laughs> I know that feeling because like I always wanted to be a wrestler which is completely crazy because I got arthritis and I got in it two, two years ago oh my gosh so I, I could never be a wrestler but all the way up to the age of 10 I had convinced myself I'm going to be a wrestler I'm going to be a wrestler I'm going to be better than any female wrestler there ever was <laughs> and then I got to 10 and the doctor was like mm. yeah Crystal you can't do that job oh no and yeah. it was like heartbreak well what do I do now and and I went and I was dancing for a long period of time mm -hmm. until my body said no you can't do that and, yeah. and it's been awful because a lot of my my career journeys that I wanted to pursue I couldn't pursue it because this yeah. illness is so derailing like yeah. I was an incredible learning support assistant in schools and then my body was like yeah no you can't handle these hours and I worked in a child's care home and again same thing they were like my body was just like nope you can't handle yeah. these hours either and I was just it's, it's a very awful process for me but yes. it's great because I can cheer and say hey disabled people out there you can yeah. live out your dreams Absolutely. you just have to you know maybe sometimes adjust your viewpoint or your perspective yes. in order to get there um, so you know I became one of the first female writers that Vince Russo ever worked with mm -hmm. or trained um, I did ha unfortunately get told that there was no place in wrestling for me, which was kind of sad because I'm a, I'm a female. It's a very male-dominated sure. backstage area. Yeah, and, I believe that. Uh, yeah, I just, you know, I went on and I wrote books instead, and then I went on and I pushed that angle, and then I started doing podcasts and doing screenwriting and just trying out different things and my husband is so supportive I, I probably couldn't do it without him but yeah like I I love the idea of just living out other lives because mm -hmm. for me there's been so many different options but I, um, I had to be very kind of conscious and aware of my body and how, how to live with it so well I it's love very that inspiring I, well, I try to is. be yeah I try you to are. be because when I was younger I was like 
I didn't want anyone to know that I had it. Mm -hmm. Like, because mm -hmm. I got bullied so bad for it. Yeah, like, sorry. I was the only skinny girl in my class. Mm -hmm. So they all reckoned I was anorexic. So I used to mm. always get, oh, there's the anorexic chick. You know what I mean? Like, the, the psychology of the damage that they did was mm -hmm. awful. Yeah, it would but be. But I actually, like, put myself back together myself because I didn't have that kind of support. Uh, I moved away from the islands, which was the best thing I could do. Mm -hmm. um, my husband and me saw up in Glasgow, and, and I just decided, no, you know, I don't want to be ashamed of this. I want people to realize that you can survive Absolutely. and you can thrive. So Absolutely. You're living proof that's of That's what it. the podcast's for. <laughs> it's it's You're living breaking down those barriers and bringing people on and Absolutely. making an atmosphere that's inclusive. And, uh, you know, I've had authors, like, conversations with authors. I got um, told that I couldn't get hired by a publishing company because I was dyslexic. And what? she wouldn't put the extra power... Yeah, she wouldn't put the extra money in to support me. Uh, for editing purposes and none, apparently mm. none of her editors would work with me and uh, yeah so I, I literally got rejected for being dyslexic that is awful and so unfair so that that's another reason for this show because I don't want I want it to be almost like we break down the walls so that publishers don't have that excuse yes you they know? should never that shouldn't even be a thought you know no, it shouldn't be. It should be, is this story marketable? Is this story going to work in this day and age? And is this story going to sell? Absolutely. Those are the boxes you should be trying to take. Not, how much money am I going to have to put into editing with this person? Like, how much am I going to have to worry about working with this person? Like, that shouldn't be a consideration. No, um, no, it shouldn't. And, and that's why when I saw your publisher, and I, I did have a look, I always do when I take guests on, and I think mm -hmm. your your publisher is incredible because yeah. they are so open in saying, "Hey, look, we don't care about your faith or your just like you know your yes. disabilities or anything like that. Yes. It's about the stories." And I was just like, "Hallelujah! Mm -hmm. We find a publisher that actually gives a crap about the people that's writing the stories." Like, yes. it's awesome. Why is it taking so long? I've been it's in this business it. over fourteen years, and it's oh like. My God. Wow, no. like, yeah, so I may be, you know, submitting, you never know, I might be a colleague. Oh, you should. You always should. I, I'm a big believer in, you know, trying and keep on trying, and that's all you can yeah. do, you know? And it's weird because I've been learning about mentorship programs for authors and stuff, and I've been trying them out, and almost like mm -hmm. giving reports to other authors, like, hey, you know how you were feeling uncomfortable about this? Well, here's a mentorship program that actually works. Not like lip service or wasting your time. Yeah. Here's a, an actual service that's going to like help you. I'm trying one out with Mills and Boone right now. Um, I'm actually doing an audition piece for it. And it's it, like they actually mentor you and help you prepare to be a part of Harlequin and Mills and Boone. And they kind of like try to get you in the right direction. Oh, that's a great thought, idea. Yeah, and I will share the link with you. Yeah, please do. Because it's like, it's incredible. It's, and I, I was like, I was a bit kind of like, mm, skeptical. Yeah. But I'm going to give it a try and see. And it, I think the more of us that are kind of maybe not fully functional, I think is what people call us now. Um, the more of us that try and get, a, get out there and break that barrier, the better. 
group mm-hmm. because it's going to make it easier for the people coming behind us. Absolutely. Yes. And we've That's all got a lot point. of like repair work to do in yes. this day and age because it's yeah. it's it's rough out there. <laughs> I always it say is. that. Yes. But it can be better. Yeah. It can be better. If we people can, working it's, towards it's us it. It's got to do it though. Like yes. it's kind of sad. It's us that's got to do it. Yes. When yes. It is a sad reality publishers. of it. Yeah. Yeah. I always find I, that sad, but it is. It's unfortunate. But maybe one day it won't be that way. Yeah. Well, that's my hope. One day that we yeah. we we change all this and Absolutely. make it better. Absolutely. So I gotta ask: Do you have any upcoming books that you can like? our audience about get them all excited I just started working on a new book that I don't have a title for yet but it is more of a women's uh, they're older characters so two of my books are are, you know young adult new adult Um, with my first one being really women's fiction so I'm kind of going back into um, the women's fiction area a little bit more uh, centered around a romance versus the worst thing I could do, which was really different. It was unique in, it, in, in, in that. Um, so, so far I have the idea, and what I've written so far is, you know, the the male character is going through a divorce, and he did not want to go through a divorce, and he is devastated and really, really thinks that he can win his wife back. And the other character in the book has some very real um, painful trauma from her past in which her father was killed on her 17th birthday. And yeah, and so he asked him to go get her a specific kind of birthday cake that she wanted he was just a really loving man and so he ran out to go get her this special cake and he ends up killed in a car accident so that trauma is sort of where she's still 10 years later very absorbed in in a very real way and has never been able to allow herself to feel a lot of happiness because she feels very guilty for her father's death even though of course you know we understand it's an accident but when you're experiencing something like that guilt is very real whether it's deserved or not it's very real right so she kind of that's her headspace so these two sort of flawed struggling individuals are next door neighbors and um have that so that's sort of the baseline that i have started so far um before i haven't really started building their love story yet i've just had them meet and they're very different and um kind of uh, polar opposites in a lot of ways and really don't think that they have, you know, any kind of a, of a real connection outside of just the basic neighborly friendship. So we'll kind of see where, where they're It always doing. starts like that. I, I have to say, it always starts like that. You just like, oh. like I was like that with Ian. I was just like, oh, he's the guy I'm speaking to on the internet, you know? Yeah. And then he showed up at my front door in yeah. this very romantic gesture. To oh, my that's so past. sweet. Yeah. And he showed up at my front door, um, and he asked me out Aww. in person. Aww. Uh, we dated for two weeks. He spent a lot of time at my house. Mm-hmm. He literally met my entire family in a day because at that point I was so heartbroken. I had my heart broken so many times. 
I was like, well, if he can survive my family on the first day of meeting me, then I know I'm good. Yeah. Right? You can handle so it's like anything. the ultimate yeah. test. And uh, yeah, he he survived the whole family and he got on with everybody. And two weeks later, I moved in with him. And we've been together now 14 years. We got oh my married gosh. last year. Um, took what him a lovely story. years to propose. Well, no, it took him 10 years to propose. And then <laughs> it took us like four years to get married because of COVID. Oh, yeah. Um, so, yeah, like we got together. And he's like, I think if he hadn't shown me the love was real, I don't think I'd have ever written it like this. Because to me, yeah. he is my love story. Like he uh, he gave me a fairy tale love story. Um, he has probably lost all his hair because of me. Because <laughs> <Aww. laughs> like he had no idea like home was involved with my my illness and oh, stuff. Sure. And he had to kind of learn really quickly. Yeah. Um, plus they you know hospitals every time see you phone him at like two o'clock in the morning and ask him to bring my medication because yeah. they lose stuff. Aww. And he's like, you're a hospital? Are you kidding me? Like, <laughs> I have to drive two hours just to give you guys medicine that you should be able to access? Like, yeah. Yeah, like, those kind of things happen to him a lot. Or I think the worst one was he got a phone call at like 2.30 in the afternoon saying, can you bring in bandages for Crystal? Bandages? Yeah. Yeah. Bandages. What is this hospital doing? <laughs> I know, right? You know, it was like, I had no idea they'd phoned him for bandages, so he showed up to me and he's like, why did I get called for bandages? What did you do? Oh, wow. And I was like, uh, huh? I said, I don't know anything about this. I said, I went to the bath, I went to the bathroom and I dislocated my knee. Mm. And that was why they needed the bandages to bandage the knee back together. Oh, um, but I I had been bandaged up so I was kind of confused as the request um, and they've sent him back for like crutches because I have my own personal crutches because I'm mm -hmm. small mm -hmm. um, so you know it just random stuff happens and he gets <laughs> he gets these weird phone calls so yeah it sounds like um, he just really loves you <laughs> he does yeah like I had to have major surgery and I was terrified like I was completely freaking out yeah. And they asked him to come and sit with me, at, but it was uh, half three in the morning, and I had to go into surgery at six, so he came. But they'd given me, like, the drug for going down to theater, so mm -hmm. I'm like, trying to stay awake like this, because mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. he's there, and I'm like... And he's like, it's okay, sleep, and I'm like, no, but you're here, and he's like, it's okay, sleep. <laughs> so he's Aww. like, yeah, so he, um, he got four hours sleep that night. But he, he drove two hours to be at the hospital to hold my hand before I went into surgery. You so. know, that makes me think of something I've always believed in. I feel, you know, when people ask, what is true love or what does love mean to you? For me, it's always just meant showing up. You know? Yeah, exactly. A person who shows up for you, no matter what, no matter the circumstances. And it can be. A romantic love but it can be your parents it can be you know any any love it's just those people that show up How and I always like say because I, I worked with a lot of kids that were coming up behind me and I'm like they didn't have those perfect parent relationships to yeah. sort of look at as like okay well this is what my relationship should look like mm -hmm. so like I went out of my way and I, I would say to them look love is 
is some something where the guy will show up at like 2.30 in the morning because you need a pair of underwear. Like, yeah. Or will go out and buy you period pads because you yeah. ran out, you yeah. know? Like, these are the things that is true love. This is somebody that if you throw a pot at him, he's not going to leave you because he's going to understand that you're going through something and that you yeah. need support. But you also have to give that back to them. Yes. It's not a one-way street. No. So that's, like, that's always my answer when people say, oh, but what's true love? Like, true love doesn't exist. And then I have to be like, well, yeah, it does, but this is what it really means. It's not a Hollywood no. movie. No. It's this, you know? It's not romantic gestures. It's not big, grand anything. It's those day-to-day, I'm here, and I'm showing up, and I'm here when you need me, and if you call me in the middle of the night and need me, I'm there. That's exactly. that's the truth. That's love. And that that's like when I watch all this stuff like, you know, the reality show. Mhm. And I see that they have all these really toxic relationships mm-hmm. and I'm like, why hasn't somebody sat this person down and just mm-hmm. said this is what a real relationship is. Like, I almost get, like, mommy on them, where I'm, mm-hmm. like, wanting to take them into a room and just, like, tell them how it really is, you know? Yes. Um, so I had to stop watching reality TV. Yeah. Uh, it can be I only hard watched idea. one, which is Ms. and Mrs., because they actually do project an actual true relationship, a true love relationship. Um, even though I get the impression they kick the cameras out a lot because it's yeah. a family show and I think the kids do things that's maybe not appropriate. <laughs> but it's a good show because it's a good representation of what a real relationship and family should be. Like, even with my stories, like I will have train wrecks, but I always have the real representation of love as being there mm-hmm. for somebody showing up never Mm -hmm. letting them down and Mm -hmm. that's how they glue themselves back together yes Um, so it's good to share something like that with you and you having the same feeling because like Mm -hmm. i get a lot of romance authors like no it's like the big fairy tale thing it is not there's nothing real about Mm -hmm. that those are those are nice i mean i'm not saying there's anything wrong with gestures but at the end of the day they're just gestures they're not substance yeah and i think i think we've kind of all been more about bling and flashy that we've kind of forgotten about the, the you know the showing up the, the quality of what we're what we need you know? absolutely so absolutely. I, I i i try to go for that more than the glitz and the glamour and the you know that kind of thing maybe i'm just an old sock but no <laughs> i think it's just a better approach to finding like you found long-term love and you know but that's part of the reason is your go you went for the things that matter and the things that matter are the the day-to-day the daily things and the the love and care that somebody shows you in their day-to-day you know just how they act and if I if I call my husband or you know in the middle of the night if he's not in in town or he's at you know an event somewhere and I call him he will answer like it doesn't matter what you know what's going on or he will call me back immediately and he always makes me his priority no matter what he's doing and exactly. you know we've been together for 11 years that doesn't go away you know that should always be should always be there I can count on him no matter what 
and that's the most and the important. trust is there as well yes. and I think that's something else we forget is trust and yes the absolutely of that. yeah absolutely. and I I kind of like I try and remind the younger ones of that like the young writers that I might talk with or young teenagers I work with because I know what bad relationships feel like mm-hmm. um and I know what good relationships feel mm-hmm. like so I'm like I'm in a way I'm trying to fix the problems with like the world mm-hmm. one you know one person at a time Mm-hmm. So going into books, has there been a book you've read recently that you would say has stuck with you the most? Um, there's been a lot. I mean, I read constantly, but the latest one that's really, really stuck with me is probably there's a book called All Your Perfects by Colleen Hoover. And, mm-hmm. oh, that book just, it just, it's so... You want a you want a representation of love of real love. Read that she book. She does it justice. Mm-hmm. Oh, she does, and it's in the best, most real way. And and that their relationship in that book is, it's just beautiful. How much how much love is there, and and even despite the flaws, even despite the issues, you you can feel their love and see it for what it is, which is a very real a very real thing. So. It's actually why I'm collecting her because, like, I oh, want my legacy to be books that I pass to my kids. Yes. And so I have like some of the best writers in the world, as far as I'm concerned, and I collect mm-hmm. them. And then I'm like, okay, my kids can read all these yes. if they want, or they can pick and choose. But yes. the best authors that represent things that I believe in are on those shelves, mm-hmm. and hopefully that's gonna rub off. I'm sure that they're. Um, <laughs> they're probably going mom really like the fucking library but like one day i think they'll appreciate it and they'll be like oh my god yeah um, i think yeah so. i'm slightly terrified of balancing being a nude mom and writing i think that's gonna be my big challenge i think that'll be a challenge that you will take on and flourish in but i think you're right it'll be different and it'll be challenging yes yeah, I don't. I don't think I'll be getting a lot of showers for a <laughs> probably a little bit less sleep. <laughs> a lot less sleep because I'll mm-hmm. be like one of those moms going in, going. It's been too quiet for. I know, years. right? <laughs> That's exactly like, how I would be. I know I would. I'd be like, oh my gosh, I'd be constantly worried. And my yeah. mom did that to me. Like I, her first kid didn't sleep for the first five years. Right? He was hyperactive and all this mm-hmm. sort of stuff, and then I came along. And I was quiet, and I slept oh. when I was supposed to, and I ate when I was supposed to, and I went to the toilet when I was supposed to. So, like, my dad had to literally go in sometimes and, like, take her out the room because she was poking me Yeah. to make sure I was still alive. Yeah. I get like, that. I do. I, I mean, I think don't that... Don't wake the baby, you know? Oh, yeah. That new mom, you know, stress or any mother's stress, I think is, whew, that's tough. Yeah, so she was like you and your brother were just like night and day they just did not know like what they were getting into and then of course I fell ill and I went a bit like him and then they had two crazy kids on their hands and yeah uh, my, I think that's another reason why my dad's bald so <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure you're right if you had time to just sit and read and enjoy an author and a series mm-hmm. which author would you pick and which series would you um, I always, always come back to Colleen Hoover. I've read everything she's written. Um, 
she had she's had a few good series that I come back to um I liked her hopeless series I thought that was really inspiring and kind of is along the lines of things that I like to read and write myself with you know trauma and childhood issues and things like that um so probably her you know as of right now I don't I don't normally read I read so much but I don't normally read series I mean I fall into series sometimes but a lot of times I like those standalone novels a lot and those stick with me and sometimes I go back if I really like them and reread I'm a bit like that too. If you love Colleen Hoover, you should try Leslie Pierce. Okay, I'm writing that down. I don't know that name. Give me all the names you know. That's amazing. Oh yeah, trust me. At the the names I could share, you would oh. you would literally fill your house. I am oh my glad. gosh, I love it. Because I like I love to like I have gotten so connected in with authors like all over the world. They're like I can tell you people that would blow your mind. If you ever want to pick up, probably the best everyday kind of story of struggle and overcoming the most incredible things check out mm-hmm. Catherine Cookson okay. because she wrote she had dyslexia so she wrote how she spoke she actually everyone was the blue collar person mm-hmm. and she wrote about women's rights she wrote about things in the 90s that are only being really dealt with now Mm. So she was like way ahead of her time, and she's forgotten really because it, she's not like a lot of English writers know her and a lot of Scottish writers know her, mm-hmm. but she's not someone that's known kind of outside of the UK, unless mm-hmm. like you're in like Maine or New York, then like people obviously know who she oh, is. Oh sure, but yeah, check her out because her stories have such depth to them. Mm-hmm that you could like I literally have every one of her, her books in the collection and I've reread some of them like a hundred times because I love that there's you learn more every time yes. you read it I know um, I'm so glad you big, do that <laughs> yeah like she's not a, big a lot of people don't writer. relate to that. yeah like she's not a big series writer either and um so a lot of hers are standalone so you can really enjoy them and you don't mm-hmm. feel guilty about having them uh, my husband two years ago bought me the red leather and gold embroidered covers for her, which is the collectible edition. Oh, and I don't know. He must have paid a fortune for them. Um, and I have them sitting on a bookcase, and I'm staring at them right now. And it just, yeah, she just takes your breath away like every mm-hmm. single time you read her. So yeah. yeah, she's she's a good one. That's um, a great recommendation. Yeah, yeah. So her and Leslie Pierce are are up there. And if you want a crime series that will have you tying yourself in knots, Fiona Cummings. Ooh. She, you can never tell who it's going to be. Really? Yeah. Like not at all. Like I have watched so many crime shows. I am like you, podcasts, true crime Mm -hmm. shows, documentaries, everything. I like. I totally cannot get enough. And I can't read her book and tell who's who is going to get, like who's the murderer, like ever. Wow. And the the one she's just done, Into the Dark, I actually did a review podcast for, mm-hmm. because it was so freaking good, like totally blew my mind, kind of good. Um, she did like a, she did a book where you were in the serial killer's mind, Love and then that. you were in the mind of a child, and then the parents. Well, not the parents, the detective. 
mm-hmm. and that's called the collector. I think mm-hmm. it's the bone collector. But mm-hmm. seriously, you will die for that series. Love it. I, I did tell you you would gain a, a little bit of books by the end of this podcast. You, you were not wrong. Yeah. <laughs> you did not no. lead me astray. <laughs> That's why I always get the warning before we start, because like, I have so many people who will say, oh my god, I gotta go get pen and paper. So I'm like, yeah, uh, before we yeah. start, you probably end up like a lot of crap like people that I recommend. So if you could have the chance of a lifetime to sit and speak with any author over Ooh. dinner, dead or alive, who would it be and why? Hands down, without question, Jane Austen. No question. I knew that was coming. Yeah, she is absolutely has my heart and soul. Um, I reread Pride and Prejudice every year, much like uh, my character in Glimmers of Hope does. She rereads yep. uh, Pride and Prejudice every year. That's because I do that. <laughs> yep, I kind of figured that. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, I just love, 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 love Jane Austen. If I could sit down with her even for 10 minutes, it'd make my whole life. Well, I'm going to blow your mind because Ooh. I'm going to introduce you to the author that got her writing. That Who's actually that? showed her how to put sarcasm into her books. I don't know It was that by an author out of Orkney uh-huh. called Mary Bunton. Mary Bunton? Yeah. Yeah. And she did a series that, well, she did a standalone called Self-Care. And the sarcasm and the cheekiness and all those elements that Jane has was inspired by this woman because she owned her book and she'd read it so many times that they literally, the the museum said the pages were falling apart. Oh, I love And I did the Jane Austen course that Uh they used to run on future courses and I couldn't believe like this woman who nobody'd ever heard of from Orkney and she was like a vicar's wife and you know hmm. she was like be prepared for a very highly detailed book like okay. you think Jane's descriptions as well wait till you get into hers right oh okay but the sarcasm and the fun is there and she mm-hmm. also raises stalking issues so she is actually the first book I found that sort of targets the issue of women being stalked and the lengths that men go to when they're stalking. Yeah, so Mary Button's style was the ground basis for Jane's. That's amazing. I'm going to be looking into that. You're giving me all kinds of knowledge. Yeah, but I mean, like, if you think about it, this is back in, like, 18, I think it's mm-hmm. 1800s. Mm-hmm. And she's raising stalking issues. Like, domestic that's amazing. stalking issues. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the, uh, as I was saying, like, that's the first person I've come across, like, in my journey that ever raised that as an yeah. issue. Wow. So, yeah. I think, I think she kind of, like, made like made Jane Austen feel secure enough to go into the gothic books. Yeah. You know, because it offered her that understanding of the w- the world wasn't maybe as cozy and as sweet as she thought it was. Yes. Because and I had seen that um 
and I don't remember where I read that, but Jane, that was part of her thing, is she did live a very, um, in a bubbled life, very yeah, much so. Did. Yeah, so she was, she, uh, it's interesting to hear where she started to hear some of these, because her life was very cushioned, and, you know, she was very naive to a lot of things. Um, but and apparently it was a, a possible suitor that gave her that book. You know, did you ever see that movie about her her life? I think it was I can't remember who starred in it. James McAvoy was in it. Yeah. As that yeah, suitor. Was that, yeah. Did you ever see that it was like the story of Jane Austen? I can't remember what they named the movie, but it was like about her actual life and Yeah. And uh it was kind of sad. I thought it was kind of a sad story, but she was so isolated, but I can understand like almost reasoning behind it. Because, like, if you've grown up in that kind of world where, you know, they are scared that something's awful is going to happen to their loved one or their relative, and yeah. marriage was such a dice roll, I can understand them bubbling her up and, and, you know, wanting to keep her safe and things. And it's funny that you mention Jane because I actually have a book that I'm starting that's called, uh, it's basically about a female writer who then gets pursued by a lord and he has no idea she's she's this novelist that she writes oh. these books mm -hmm. and essentially something happens and she ends up having to marry him and we go through the whole terror of her knowing about domestic violence and knowing that there's nothing to protect her from that and mm. there would be nowhere for her to go and her family wouldn't be able to protect her and all this kind of stuff mm -hmm. so I do I have a book that's going to explore it I just I know this sounds awful, but I'm terrified to take it to a publisher because I just have no idea hmm. where anybody would feel comfortable with doing a story like that. So Yeah, you'd I, have to do some research on some publishers that maybe were open to some of those more yeah. tough stories, for sure. Because I think it's like commercial historic fiction, wouldn't it be? Like yeah, that's what I would say. Mm -hmm. Yeah, female, like women commercial historical mm -hmm. fiction. So yeah. I'm, I'm looking for somebody that kind of goes along those lines. This will be out, like, by the time I finish the manuscript, so it'll be fine, because I, if I get a whole bunch of emails, I'll be like, yeah, it's sitting here ready, you know? Yeah. <laughs> because this comes out in, like, February. So, you know, it's great. Um, I just hope, like, I, I like to, like, drop little ones that I'm working on, because I'm, like, it makes me feel more comfortable about putting mm -hmm. it out there, like, mm -hmm. to publishers and stuff. I don't know why. Also, I'm scared somebody's going to steal my ideas. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so that's I mean, another reason that. for the podcast. Like, I can totally just drop it in and be like, so, yeah, that's the podcast that said this was my idea. That's right. You know, that's right. like, you have a record there's people out there that steal your ideas. So, yeah. 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 I, I, do, I do have that tendency to just go, eh. So, yeah. Your, your, your partner's going to be looking at your shopping list and going, uh huh. <laughs> He's so used to it because I just buy books constantly. He probably won't even bat an eye. <laughs> Is there an author, past and present, whose influence inspired you and made you excited? A about books and B about writing. Um. Other than Jane Austen, I also I was really inspired by, you know, Jane Eyre which is a really oh, I love wonderful book. Wonderful, wonderful book. And that inspired me 
a lot, actually. Um, it's just such a complex story with such complicated characters, and it's just really... I remember thinking, I've read it many times, and then one time later in in my 20s, before I started writing my own books, I, I, rem I was reading it again, and I remember thinking about these characters, and I was like, man, I wish I could write as well like it wanted me I wanted to write just because I was reading somewhere and I thought oh wait I, why can't I <laughs> so I would say I would say those you know those books definitely have the biggest influence on me I almost like remember when I was reading like Catherine and, and I was reading sort of Charlotte Bronte and all these names and I I looked at my my family, because a lot of my family have problems reading, and are dyslexic and things like that. And mm -hmm. I'm the only one to publish a book. I'm only only one to kind of. I kind of pushed them into university, and really sort of. I was the driving force behind them because they didn't have the same ambition and drive as I did. Um, which is infectious, apparently, because my mom's so very driven and ambitious. So, mm -hmm. <laughs> I guess I rubbed off on her. Mm -hmm. But like, I started realizing that there was almost like a perfection layer to working with somebody on a book and co-authoring. Mm -hmm. I did not know what I was getting into with Joe and Joe had no idea what he was getting into mm. but I, after that experience like for me I got excited by knowing that Catherine she wanted to write books with other writers and mm -hmm. I literally saw the amazing ability of Rachel Kane when she did a series mm -hmm. with another author in fact that author has picked up since she's passed away has picked up one of her series and mm -hmm. is, is writing the end for her so to me like I feel like the author world is inspiring as a, like as a whole because we are a fraternity in our own way yes like, we do support each other and Absolutely. like I always say, like, if there's somebody out there who wants a really hardworking writer's partner, hi, mm -hmm. I'm open. Like, mm -hmm. I'm always open to it. Mm -hmm. And I know that there's, like, a lot of people that's had writing partners and it's been awful and it's been dreadful, but um, I always put it out there because you never know, like, you could have this most really amazing story, but you just can't get it there. Yeah. And then your writing partner can come in and just sort of like get that that little bit that you need yeah that makes a lot of sense it. yeah mm -hmm. and write and write a little bit extra to it that just puts mm -hmm. it right over the top mm -hmm. so i was lucky i had joe for that um yeah but me and joe don't ride together anymore so i always say hi guys <laughs> <laughs> you know but yeah uh what like if you could go back in time mm. and you could visit anywhere where would you go and would you go back as a writer oh gosh I that's tough the reason I say that's tough is because I'm a woman and I feel like we you know, all know that like the troubles <laughs> of doing this as a woman yep. yes yep. yes um but honestly I feel like yeah if I was given the opportunity I would go back in time I'd like to go back to the late 1500s when Shakespeare was alive and writing and I would love to see an actual production put on by Shakespeare back in the 1500s at an outdoor theater um, just to witness that 
in person because I'm a big Shakespeare fan and lover of those plays. So I think that would just be incredible. Would I go back as a writer? Uh, you know, again, I'm a woman, so probably not unless, uh, you know, I went back and changed my identity and sort of wrote as a, under an alias as a, as a male author, then maybe. Um, I think I would just like to experience the, uh, you know, that time for even just for like, a little bit yeah just like a you know just kind of i'm kind of sad because i wouldn't go back that far i i would go back to the time that Catherine kitson was alive and i would because back then it was so much easier to to sell a book series and it was so much easier to sell a book so i would go back as a writer to that time but if i was going back as somebody that was just going to get married off and live in a cat like live in a manor and live that lifestyle yeah. then I would go back to the Victorian times because mm. I'm dead skinny and I wouldn't need much corset to <laughs> have that look you know Yeah. so um, but my mom always teases me like that she's like you were born in the wrong country and the wrong era herself that's funny <laughs> but yeah. she also like my partner actually calls, this, calls me the closeted American because I love my pickup trucks I love my shotguns oh, I well, love there you go. Yeah. and I'm like I love my cowboy boots. Like I yeah. spent two hours in a cowboy boot store, like cowboy boot store. Like just, yeah. I was like a kid in the candy shop. I was awful. Um, you know, I loved my cowboy hat, which my mm-hmm. uncle-in-law stole and I haven't seen ever since. <laughs> so like that was just me. So like the family all calls me their secret closeted American. Yeah, that's funny. Those are very, yeah, those are very American things. <laughs> and I, well, I rode horses all my life. And yeah. So yeah, I think it comes with that, and um, so yeah, my mom's like, you should have been born in Texas, Crystal. Yeah, you would have fit in well in Texas. You were a te- you're a Texan. Or Tennessee, you'd fit well yeah. in Nashville, definitely. And the worst thing is, like, I never got chatted up till I went to a wrestling event, and this guy literally chatted me up, and then he followed up by saying, "If you were single, I would, t- I would, like." scoop you up, take you in my car, drive you to the nearest chapel in Vegas, marry you, and then, like, chain you to the kitchen sink so that nobody could ever steal you from me. Aww. And I was like... Is that sweet or creepy? (laughs) Yeah, like, that that was was my thought. I'm like, I think that's a marriage proposal? Yeah, it's kind of what I gathered from that in a roundabout way. That could be domestic abuse, too. Yeah. Yeah. So like, yeah, but I kind of see the the idea behind it. Yeah. And he was a big wrestler. So Yeah. And I'm thinking, can I run faster than him? <laughs> that was my next thought. Like, can I actually outrun this guy? <laughs> um answer is yes, which yeah. I'm very surprised by. Um but yeah, he was always dead huggy and every time he saw me, a huge smile on his face. Mm-hmm. Apparently, I had a, quite a few American wrestlers who fell for me. Wow, uh, it's your special niche, I, right? Apparently, yeah. yeah. And then um, one of them turned around and he said, oh my god, if John Cena had met you, you two would have been married in a month. Really? I love Like, John they Cena. were like, yeah, they were totally like, you are totally the perfect partner for John Cena. Like, you've got the figure, you've got the manners, you like your, you know, like, because he has a huge fan of Downton Abbey, and I live that kind of thing, where I believe yeah. in, like, having perfect house and perfect meals, and Mm-hmm. like that whole routine and that whole lifestyle and they were just like and also the fact I'm a writer so I could go anywhere with him yeah. like 
work wife. Yeah, you could work. People are like, oh my god, you're his perfect, you know, perfect possible wife. That's and nice. I'm like, why are all these guys trying to hook me up with this? <laughs> I don't know, but I I would be all for that. John Cena is pretty cool. He is cool, yeah. But I'm like, his his schedule would be killer. Like, how could yeah, you you'd do never that, see like, him. And you'd never be see him flying around all the time. Mm -hmm. That's that's gotta be hard. That would be. It'd be really hard. And he he's done books as well, so I'm like, mm -hmm. he I has. If you like leave me at home for a couple of days with like a special guard dog, <laughs> so I can like do my my thing. So yeah, I get that one a lot. Like, it's it's so funny. That is funny. Has there ever been a book that you've picked up and you just wished that you'd like never started it? Because I think we've all had one where we're like, hmm. instantly turned us off from reading. <laughs> like, oh my god, what the hell is this? Yeah, you know, to be honest, I read so much. I mean, I read every day. I, I read at least three we books all have a week. To. Yeah, like I, I read, 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 read. So because I read so much, there's numbers-wise, I'm going to come across some that I don't like. And usually if that happens, I won't finish it. Like if I'm, you know, a third of the way through and I'm, I'll just stop. So I couldn't, I couldn't really say one specifically because I, I just, if, if I don't like it, I kind of just, yeah. Gone. And like, like I said, when I read enough that it's probably happened multiple times that I just forget about it because I just push the book aside and forget about it. So Yeah, I mean I've I've had like books that I've picked up and I thought, Oh, this will be a really good book and then it's like a horror. And then Oh like, yeah, and I don't read horror. horror. Yeah. Yeah, I don't read horror. But like you don't realize it's a horror and then you like you start and then you're like oh. Yeah, I don't I don't like those types of books. I, I don't like those down. types of like, movies. I, 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 I can't. Yeah. From them, yeah. No, I don't. But then I've also had the heartbreaking books. Like I read. Have you read Edward's book yet? Mm mm. I don't. don't no. Think. It broke my heart. It Oof. broke my heart. Because it was like. It was almost like you you were hearing about everything he was doing outside of Bella's knowledge. Mm hmm. But it really just kind of felt like rereading the first book but just from his perspective it didn't like make me feel like I got to know him any better oh yeah and it didn't it kind of destroyed the myth of him for me it like destroyed oh. the, the and you know you gotta have that mystery and especially with a character like that that's important I would have mystery. preferred her to them like something with Jacob Black maybe yeah because like yeah. he's mentioned in Edward's book but it, you don't like you just know that they hate them and then by the, like, you learn about, there's mentioning about the sanctuary and everything, and how they could kill, like, kill the entire pack if they wanted to so mm. fast and easily. Mm -hmm. And it, like, just felt like it kind of destroyed that whole myth about the family, too. Like, yeah. it just, yeah, it just, yeah, it broke No, you don't want over. that. <laughs> you gotta have that mystery there, for and sure. And I read it in ICU, like, so my, I said to my husband, I need a book for ICU because I can't talk and I can't write because like they took mm -hmm. the computer and put it as far away from me as they could um, I had like wires and tubes everywhere and I was oh, like sure. can I please have a book yeah. and they'd set up this little light so I could read and he came with Edward's book <laughs> like the worst possible pick because I've got to like try and balance this big book on a pillow <laughs> And not like pull yeah. wires or tubes out, and I'm like, uh, maybe not the right book, honey. 
No, maybe but not. I couldn't write. It's not the right book, honey, because he had already left. So yeah. I was like, oh, well, I gotta read it then. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I actually read one of Victoria Avery's books actually mm -hmm. during that time that I was in. Wow, is all I can say. If you Loved read it? her, um, I think it's Victoria Avery. Oh gosh, I might have the wrong author. It was the. Um, what is it? Um, it was like The Crown. It was like uh, kind of like. Oh. Um, I'm trying to remember. Yeah, it's like, it was like those really big, kind of like, they all had superpowers, and there was like this big royal family, and then they find out that she's got the same powers as them, and then she ends up, um, the Red Queen. That was it. Oh, was I have heard of that one. Yes, yeah. I have it, but yeah. So you liked it. Oh, I got stuck there. I was like trying to, oh, I was, so, I was, I was seriously stuck there. But yeah, like, I read the first one, and I was like, oh my. Uh, that I'm in love. Um, so yeah, I was totally like, mm, help me. Um, and then of course I couldn't get to the second book because I was stuck in the hospital. So I was like, <laughs> I that was like the only time I was like, I want to do a jailbreak out of this hospital just to get the second book. <laughs> That's so fun. <laughs> so when you know you like something. <laughs> yeah, and I still haven't gotten to her because I, I have a TBR list that's like scarily high. Oh yeah. You're still playing catch-up, sounds like. Yeah. Um, so, going into the writing portion of the podcast, um, I gotta, like, ask, like, how did you get involved with your publisher? Like, what, how did you find them? What was, like, your process? Oh, man. Oh, it was brutal process. Um, just a lot of researching publishers and trying to find a publisher that was open to multiple genres because I kind of already knew I wanted to write in women's fiction and young adult fiction. I, I kind of wanted to do a few different things. So I didn't want to get into, you know, one of those publishers that only does one thing or they only want me to do one thing. Yeah. And my publisher was one of the few that I came across that was very much more like open to you know different genres and specifically and so that was part of it part of their appeal for sure um i liked that they were a small publishing house i liked their vibe um i kind of just liked everything about them and so the process just literally involved you know querying and fingers crossed and you know hoping for the best and and luckily they they liked me too so it worked out <laughs> yeah so like was there any other publishers that you, you know, you could say, oh, I would have really loved to have been there because I like feel felt connected there, but I just, you know, it just wasn't going to happen. But it was like a place I would have dreamed to have been. Really, no, honestly, I, I, there wasn't one specific publisher that I was like, oh, this is what I, you know, I want to work with them. Um, yeah. I feel like for me, the way that I think anyway is. Because I had submitted to a, a couple that weren't interested as normal as part of, you know, the writing process. It's hard to be an author, and it is just part of it. Um, I kind of felt like, to be honest, I, I'm not interested in working with a publisher who's not as interested in working with me. I feel like that just means we're not the right fit for each other. Oh, I would um, agree. I would yeah, agree. you know what I mean? Like, so 
Blossom Spring was interested in working with me as I was interested in working with them. So I felt like that was the place I was meant to be, if that makes sense. Um, So I didn't, I didn't, I try not to uh, think too much about other opportunities as being like missed opportunities. I just feel like that, you know, you just got to see it for what it is and it wasn't the right fit and, you know, you move on. Um, So that's kind of how I think about it. Yeah. I'm there with you on that one. Yeah. What inspired you to pick the type of romance writing that you did? I have a, I, you know, a lot of things inspire me to write the stories that I've wrote. Um, my own love story with my husband definitely inspires love stories for me that I write. Um, I think there's a lot of things of relationships that I have with friends and family um, my marriage um, different even different other you know um, books or uh, movies that I have seen that have really I felt touched me in in sort of that romance area where I'm like oh you know that really that really inspired me or touched me sometimes all of that stuff kind of comes together to influence the type of of love story that I like to write, um, which is, you know, not a perfect, you know, um, A plus B equals C, but they're complicated and they're, and they're a little bit more real and a little bit more, um, challenging in some ways. And so there's a lot, I think there's a lot that I couldn't say one thing specifically other outside of my own love story. Um, definitely, you know, as part of that. I think, I think it's always like the, the same for all of us really is like, you know, once we've gone through love and we really understand it, we want to share that message share with everybody and, yeah. and just keep that Definitely. going. Yeah, it's so just when you're writing different. your book, is it like a movie in your brain or is mm. it more like a jigsaw that you're trying to like put the pieces together? It's actually probably a mix of both. I have moments when I'm writing where it feels like a puzzle and I'm trying to fit things together. And then other moments when it's really clicking and working feels like a movie. And I'm seeing it in my head as a movie. So it kind of depends on where I'm at in the journey, if that makes sense. Because <laughs> sometimes no, it, it, does, it, it does. feels like a puzzle. It's like a movie till I hit the wall and then it's yes. like yes. looking up my notes, like trying to work out how do I get around this wall. Yes. Yeah, so like I, I totally get that. Yeah. Which character would you say has stayed with you the most or the longest? That's a good question. I I really liked all of my characters stick with me for sure. But in Glimmers of Hope, the character Birdie, I, I feel like of anybody probably stuck with me the most only because, man, she just had such a tough situation um, and, and such a such a painful situation growing up in foster care. And she had some just real tough stuff going on. And I just felt like she was very inspiring because she was just trying so hard to to be happy and to find happiness. And, and you know, she, she, she didn't have a lot of um, advantages in life, if, if any, you know? And so I, I, she's always stuck with me. I just, I just always felt very inspired by her and, and her just determination to, to get, get through it <laughs> and to survive. Yeah. She's quite a survivor, that one. 
I know what she said. It's totally awesome. Yeah. Is there a character that you wish you could have written more about? Um, yeah. Actually, in The Worst Thing I Could Do, the char Jonah's character, um, I've, I've thought about writing more about him. Maybe doing another book that's from him, you know, from his perspective. From his perspective. And, yeah. yeah, and maybe not so much about his uh, story with Maddie, but after, you know, and his life mm -hmm. after prison and sort of where he goes from there and how he tries to build his life back up. And he, he, I always felt like there was a lot going on with him that I'd like to write more about or have thought about writing more about for sure. Do you think we'll see more from you in regards to him? I haven't decided. I think it's possible. I have considered it on a few occasions. Um, and I haven't, I haven't quite decided if I want to, if I want to, what his story after prison would be yet. I think if, if something inspired me specifically, then I'd be like, definitely. I'd say it's about, you know, a 50-50 shot right now of that happening. Well, there you go, fans. You gotta, you gotta tweet her and write to her saying, give us the book, give us the book, <laughs> if you want him. You're already here first. What techniques, um, have you found the most helpful in your writing journey and which ones do you wish you hadn't bothered trying? Um, I really found when I was writing the worst thing I could do, I, it was my debut book and I hadn't gone down this process before. I kind of started it with a very structured thought in mind. So I had the story structured and wrote out before I started writing and I, halfway through the book I had to scrap all of that and I found that that type of structure that I was trying to force the story down did not work for the characters and it didn't work for the story and so I, ha I got to a place mentally where I had to let go of this pre-planned plan that I had and now I have a much more approach that is I take it almost scene by scene now, if that makes sense. So scenes yeah. take me into a certain direction and I don't try to force it anywhere. I try to let the story unfold naturally and where it's gonna go is where it's gonna go instead of trying to force it because that really got me stuck for quite a while. It does if you don't have like seriously detailed notes where you can, yeah. it can get you going again. Yeah. Cause like I tried pantsing and I am. <laughs> Yeah. No, because <laughs> like I, with Ride With Me, I had it all structured down. I had a really, really good story. Mm -hmm. In fact, that was in a notebook of about 40 different books that mm -hmm. I had broke down and structured. Mm -hmm. And my husband lost it. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> and I'm in the middle of writing it. Oh, gosh. That's rough. <laughs> and now I'm having to come at almost pants it because. Yeah yeah so yeah i know like that for me is hell Pansy yeah is hell yeah i think so. i think it's important if if inspiring writers are looking for any advice i could give it's truly that everybody has their own writing style and how they write and what works for them the best yeah. advice i can give anybody is to try different techniques and mm -hmm. see what works for you because what works for Stephen King or you know Colleen Hoover or any of us yep. doesn't necessarily mean it's going to work for you in the way your brain works and the way your writing works 
so it's good to just try things i'm i'm i i try different things sometimes they fit sometimes they don't you know yeah it's kind of funny because when i think on it um my brain like i write between like a julia peck style which is she takes it from the end of the story and works Mm -hmm. her way back Mm -hmm. but i also have kind of like shorter rhymes way of thinking and way of writing in Mm -hmm. sort of like in there as well so my way just doesn't fit anybody's boxes like there's no workbooks that work with me so i just i just have to go with like if i get a story and i could be listening to an audiobook or i could be reading and then this story comes to me and i just Mm -hmm. have to stop everything and then just put it down even if i'm like because i i suffer with ptsd from years of treatment and stuff i you know even if that's flaring up even if i'm depressed it doesn't Mm -hmm. matter i have to take that discipline out and just go write it down so yeah. I don't lose it um, yes. and then tell my husband don't you dare lose my notebooks <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh like um so yeah like I'm actually trying to remember all those 40 books so that I yeah. can like put them down in a new you know new yeah. thing so I if I want to write them I can go write them sure um but yeah that was that was just oh you have no idea like totally oh that so, sounds painful so <laughs> oh my god so we're going on to the life portion of the book and life podcast yeah what is the th- first thing that you want to do when you need to de-stress from editing and writing what, what do you go to well i will usually the thing that de-stresses me the most is reading so i'm i'm the same Writing yeah, or, uh, reading or cross stitch is my two. Oh, there you go. Yeah, that's a good one. So, I like to paint uh, and I like to read, so I will usually get, um, I will have a nice glass of wine, and I will either pick up a paintbrush or I will pick up a good book and instantly, you know, try to come down that way. It, those things work yeah. for me really well. I used to go ride or dance. Those were my oh yeah for stress. Yeah, but my body like since I broke my jaw, I can't put a riding helmet on, so I can't ride, um, and I can't dance. So I had to find new ways, and I actually mm-hmm. ended up going back down the crafting route, which I never considered really until yeah. COVID. You know. Yes. What hobbies do you enjoy, and which ones do you wish that you could explore more? Mm. Well, as as I said, I paint is another hobby of mine. Nothing crazy, just little, little cute paintings, um, oil paintings. I was gonna I wish... say, is the one behind you yours? No, oh my gosh! I've been no. thinking that the entire isn't that podcast. gorgeous? Yeah, no, yeah, I is... thought that was yours. I was like, yeah. I wonder if she painted that because it's oh. stunning. It is. It's Lenoid Alfremov, who's passed away now, oh, wow. um, but he's got oh, gorgeous no. paintings. Yeah, um, no, and so I would like to spend more time doing that but I don't have a lot of free time so that's unfortunately something that doesn't get a lot of my attention I think um, we all have that issue yeah yeah because I mean Except any free time that I have I'm trying to devote it to writing so it's just one of those things so how did you cope with sort of COVID and writing because like for me it was hell on earth yeah because I was living with my mother and yeah. I was living with my dad, and they didn't mm. understand that if I had my headphones on and I was working furiously, don't interrupt! Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, I, I even got a sign that I stuck on the computer saying, don't interrupt <laughs> writing, and it didn't work. Oh my gosh. Yeah, that would be tough. I lost so many flows. <laughs> oh no, I hate it when that happens. Um, 
COVID actually for me was beneficial in some ways. I mean, I published two of my books during COVID it, only because my husband and I are very active outside of our home life. And so we weren't able to be. So I just had more time on my hands to devote to writing. So in that sense, it helped me because I was able to sit down and just focus on writing for hours at a time because I, I couldn't go out and we couldn't go anywhere or do anything. So it was kind of helped me in that sense. Now that we're kind of past that and I'm back to a busy, busy schedule and I'm finding it harder now again to find time to write. So it was, it was nice having that time. Um, yeah, it did, it did help, but now I've got to find time. Yeah. I have to, I have to be more creative about finding time now, which is tough. Does, uh, does your husband, is he one of your readers? Do you think? Does he what? Does he read your novels? Does he read them? No, <laughs> he's not a reader. He doesn't read anything. He wants to oh, read no. them. Yeah. He's not a reader. He's just not, he knows all about them because he was there for the entire process and he's like my sounding board. So like, he knows yeah. the stories as good as anybody and like and like knows how much work went into like a certain character or why a certain thing happened because he's he's the guy I, I bounce everything off. But he hasn't actually yeah. read them yet and he, he wants to. He's just not a reader. He's just one of those people who just doesn't read. It's funny because like my partner, he went through a period of reading and then he stopped and yeah. then he kind of went back. But he read one of my novels and the first thing he said to me was, could you not just deleted the first 150 pages of your book? Because he didn't like it. Oh. He didn't like because it, it was a YA novel, so he wasn't like sure, used to YA, and it's yeah. like the build up to like yeah. If you ever get, if you ever get a chance, Google um, if you look up Carla on mm -hmm. Amazon, mm -hmm. you'll understand because it's like Norse gods and Vikings and sword fighting and all this mm -hmm. stuff. But it starts off with her being just an average teenage girl mm -hmm. who gets sucked into this. And he thought that the humor in the, the Norse gods was perfect, mm -hmm. and he loved them, and he wanted more about them, but he didn't want anything to do with, like, Carla and Mark and their love story. He wanted Not a genre. Out. Yeah, it's just not his thing. Yeah. And that's kind of the same it's, with my husband is, you know, he's not interested in young adult fiction or romance no. or, you know what I mean? It's just not his thing, so. <laughs> I, I was grateful my husband read it. Like, yeah, you know, that's I great. I felt honored, but at the same time, I was like, Oh, you know, like that way where you're like, oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was like, biggest critic in the room is my husband. <laughs> oh dear. That's how my husband. I is myself good. have a long-term uh, illness that makes me slow down and appreciate the day. What would, like, what's your thing that makes you stop and smell the roses and appreciate life? You know, I always, always try to just do that. I feel like it's so easy to get caught up in everything that's going on that you can get weighed down by everything, work and life and relationships that you you can just be moving through life and you're not slowing down to appreciate things. I think it's an easy thing to come into. And so whenever I, I feel my start, start like doing that and I'm doing that, I always try very hard to remind myself to slow down, enjoy literally the sunset or, you know, um, a nice cup of coffee in the morning with the sunrise or, you know, literally stop and smell flowers, which I will literally remind myself to do. Um, yeah. It's just something that I try to remind myself to do because it's, it's just easy to get lost in it. It's so easy. It is. It is easy. And I think 
like I don't get that option like I literally get pushed into like you're not going to go do this today because mm. um, your body's decided that you know, mm-hmm. it wants to rest or you're fed sure. by the day because it's pissed off at you because you went did too much like so I don't get that kind of almost like freedom that everyone else gets yeah and it kind of makes me sad it's just like I really wish that I could go and do everything everyone else does kind of style but yeah um so I'm learning I'm sort of learning like how far I can push myself yeah and it's been a long journey it's like 31 years I've been doing this now yeah I still haven't learned like all of it I still sometimes like try to be like outthink it a little bit Mm -hmm. I wonder if I could just like you know sneak sneak this in or sneak that in or whatever but I don't get caught every time. So where's your favorite place to curl up in the day? What would, where would you say is your, your reader's nook or your favorite place to sit and read a book? I like to read in cafes or write in cafes. Cool. I like cafes too, but I kind of write in cafes. I can't read in cafes. I'm too nosy. 